Hi everyone, it's Roger and James here from the What's On Disney Plus podcast. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Disney Plus kind of growing up and we're getting a lot of extra content um, this month and what might be going on with um, Disney Plus right now, especially in the United States. We'll also be talking about how Disney Plus's unscripted department has been really struggling and is considered a mess by um, experts. And um, we'll also be talking about some other content that they've announced during the week. Uh, we'll be talking about um, a host of another bits of news. Plus, we'll be sharing our thoughts on this week's episode of The Book of Boba Fett and the latest National Geographic documentary, Torn. So, before we do any of that, just a quick bit of housekeeping. If you haven't already done so, you can subscribe here on YouTube. We just hit over 60,000 subscribers. You can also follow us on our podcast feed as well. Find us over there. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, etc. If you'd like to support us, you can do so by becoming a YouTube channel member or a patron. That helps pay towards our hosting, pays towards the bills, pays towards all kinds of stuff, and your support really doesn't matter. So um, a huge thank you to all of our gold, diamond, and platinum um, uh, followers, including Sarah, Andrew, Elliot, Jacob, Caleb, Red Marsman, Aero G. Oscar, Andrew, Cody, Darren, and Lauren, while over on the YouTubes, um, a big thank you and hello to Raphael. We've also got um, Jay Blue, and then we've got um, Diona. We've got De- uh, Ricky. We've got Dana, Dave, Adam, Muhammad. We've got Ben. We've got my VCR still works. Bina, Joshua, Dawn, Martin, Jeremy, and Sarah. So thank you so much for all of your support. As I said, it really makes a lot. So we'll be back with another live Q and A tomorrow here on youtube and on that note let's jump into it so we've had quite a lot of stuff this week we've got some different things to talk about um first off let's bring up one of the big ones here which is going to be that um this month disney is honoring black history month and in doing so what they're adding they're adding a lot of content onto disney plus that you maybe wouldn't have expected they have already announced that we're going to be getting some national sorry some abc news specials um, Soul of the Nation, which is the murder of Malcolm X in 55 Years to Justice. Uh, we're also going to be getting, uh, sc- I can't say this, white word, put my teeth in, um, Screen Queens Rising. <laughs> I keep getting that one mixed up. And then we're also, they uh, kind of revealed, you know, some of the ESPN content that's been um, dropping. Interestingly enough, side note, they did drop a ice hockey one onto the US this week. It's continuing that trend of, I'm wondering if we're going to be getting ESPN content either right through the Olympics or just in general, just kind of drop feeding things in. We've also got a new series of shorts, Rise Up, Sing Out. Summer of Soul will be arriving in, on February the 8th, which is going to be a, that's a big one. That one was originally released on Hulu last year. The Wonder Years will be arriving on February the 9th, followed by um, The Last American Slave Ship will be arriving at the week later, the National Geographic documentary followed up with the proud family also i just want to bring up um disney did also put up the next on disney plus video for february in the actual descriptions it did say that grownish and blackish are set to come on the 9th of uh february as well however they weren't included in the video and i have been told that they're, they're not coming but they we're just going to have to wait and see. This time next week, it'll either be there or it won't be. Um, but the fact that it's not in the video, there, there might be a bit of an issue. They've done this in the past, but that would have been, um, I expect, dropping at some point. But, yeah, some really big, surprising sort of stuff coming in there. And along with, and I'm going to throw this in kind of in with the same thing, Snowdrop. We're going to be getting all 16 episodes on the 9th. So this is 
the first ever Star original to be released in the US on Disney Plus. Um, I think it. I think it's rated at least a fifteen plus in um, Australia. Hasn't yet been rated here for the UK because we're getting it on the same day as you guys. Um, so that's a massive, great, big announcement. So we went from February having nothing to suddenly February having a lot more interesting stuff than before. But what did you think of this announcement, James? Um, nothing too surprising. Obviously, they they wanted to get a lot of content on there, and there's a number of documentaries that I'm looking forward to watching on that, as well as. The Proud Family. Um, we've talked about it previously. I've never seen the original show. I'm going to watch a couple episodes of that. But honestly, the trailers for the new one look really funny. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's also, I mean, I am, I'm looking forward to seeing um, how this game goes. I've not seen any of it before. So it'll be interesting to see how this um, animated series works out. But I think for Black History Month, on one hand, it's good to see this stuff being added. The Wonder Years has been something I've been talking about for a while, that that's something that should, felt like it should have been added on to there. But it feels like, you know, those documentaries are a little bit more heavy-hitting. A little bit, you know, sometimes Disney have kind of not quite gone in on some of the harder-hitting documentaries. They've kind of held back a bit. And I thought, so on one hand, we're getting some harder-hit documentaries, and then just some some great new, like, bin shows, which we're not used to seeing on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Yeah, but it, that's exactly why I want to see these documentaries too. It, it does look like they're they're covering a bit more heavy content. They're not they're not really fluff pieces, at least on the surface. Yeah, um, we'll we'll talk about another pretty heavy documentary later. Um, yes, that we torn. We'll talk about that one because the one thing I was going to bring up, um, and I think it all kind of interconnects with everything right now. Of um, Disney Plus is going for a stage now where it's having to grow up. It's having to, it can't be sustained as it was. You know, there was a lot of um, talk about the fact that they need to add more. And they said they're going to start dealing with it. And going into 2022, that was what we were hoping for. It does feel like in the last few weeks, you know, we're starting to see some content drip feeding. It's very much a drip feed. I mean, we've got a quarterly results coming up um, this week. So I'm hoping we get some kind of announcements there. But we're seeing a lot of shifting, a lot of shifting going on. You know, if you'd said to us two, three weeks ago that we'd be sat here talking about um, Snowdrop, The Wonder Years, some ABC documentaries, some documentaries about Malcolm X, I don't think we would have said, I don't think they, that's probably, I would, well, if I was writing an article, I'd have just been saying these are coming to Hulu. That I just, I never really would even have thought that Disney Plus in the US would have got these yet. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely a, a double take moment. Um when I looked at it, it's like, oh, th this is coming to Hulu. Oh, no, this is coming to Disney Plus in America. Yeah. Uh, and the cat's excited about <laughs> yeah. it, too, apparently. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Snowdrop in a second. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's it's good to see them bringing the stuff on here. And I think documentaries are a good way to, to start getting people acclimated to the idea of uh, more mature content. Because we're more willing to accept, oh, th this is an informational thing. It's mm -hmm. telling us about something, and sometimes real life is is fairly brutal, and yeah. uh, and you can't really sanitize it. And then once you get people used to to having these more mature documentaries, you can start getting uh, content in as well. So I'm not mm -hmm. saying like you're going to see Walking Dead next week or or anything like that, but you start to see this slow slow ramp up, like we mm -hmm. had. Um, like you might see something along the lines of Love Victor copying out, not yeah. not actual Love Victor, but um, similar to that. I definitely feel like for me now, um, I am wondering if they are going to be going with the whole concept of like, you know, do they want to kind of slow 
slowly edge us into having us you know us having that extra content you know having that kind of thing where you know slowly drip feed in some things so to kind of start pushing the boundaries a little bit not necessarily doing everything all at once maybe like they did with um start where you know here's 500 things that come in maybe just edge in you know it might, might be the best way for disney to kind of do this of just slowly push the boundaries a little bit more each time until they're ready to kind of because you know it's it's i think you know it's like with snowdrop snowdrop is kind of one of those things that go you know well, it's a, it's a South Korea, it's a dubbed Korean drama series. Therefore, it might not catch, every, you know, kids aren't going to watch it in the same way. But it might be the, one of the first kind of big tests of the of them starting to use their parental controls. Because they look put them in the US, the same that they've got here. The only difference is we have 16 and 18. Uh, you know, will they turn that on? You know, will they turn that on suddenly on Wednesday and put like snow uh, snowdrop to a sixteen? Because I could see that happening. Of like, yeah, we're going to start kind of you know edging it in that way and using these settings and just slowly creep in rather than doing the the full big big star drop. Yeah, there's there's something to be said for both methods. You know, kind of slowly creeping it up so that you you get more and more used to it over time, and then also the just will rip off the band aid and. Uh, We'll get the outrage out over mm. one single title, and then after that, it becomes a norm. You see this on in uh, video game markets all the time, mm. where where they they will introduce some very unpopular item. I think it's NFTs being added into video games right now, yeah. and it's really one company goes out there, they get all the outrage, and then and then it just becomes the normal, mm. like the horse armor from way back in the day. Uh, but Disney's obviously going the obvious approach, the sorry, the opposite approach for disney plus in america where this kind of going mm. all right oh we're gonna move it a little bit forward and a little bit more forward uh reminder pam and tommy is not on the american <laughs> uh, for, for the people on the yes. uh, the podcast he he pulled up the, yeah. the disney plus screen from uh the uk from the uk and pam and tommy are right there so uh that's not going to happen in america where you're just going to walk in and there's pam and tommy um which was a really good show, but I I will be amazed if that ever shows up on Disney Plus in America, even if they do a Hulu merge. Yeah, it is. It is strange. It is does feel like, you know, they are pushing the boundaries. I'm I am 100 percent. I am feeling like if, if we don't get an announcement of a Hulu purchase at some point later this year, I'll be surprised. And there's been a lot of talk about the fact uh, and it's not just and this is not just shareholders we're talking about industry insiders and um, kevin mayer who obviously used to run disney plus he literally was like talking this week with bloomberg because he's working for a big like sports network and stuff like that and they're all saying you're seeing a lot of consolidation you're seeing lots of things coming together because ultimately people are only going to subscribe to four or five streaming services and everyone now is trying to get everything in place and disney can't have three or four streaming services and expect everyone just you know we are seeing it i mean we talked a lot about ESPN last week. We've seen some more ESPN content drop um, in the US this past week. Australia had like 20, 25, 30 documentaries drop on Friday. We're also hearing reports out of Latin America that some, some testing is being done. There's literally loads of ESPN kind of in the code, you know, some live tests and some events are going in there. It's all revving up. And then we you know it's, it's, it's like we've gone from nothing to something quite quite quickly. Um, 
And I think, you know, they are very much looking at the fact of a streaming bundle is just not going to, uh, just not going to work. I've been reading stuff about, you know, Paramount, was it Paramount Plus and Bet and Pluto and Showtime, you know, they're all running multiple streaming platforms and trying to do bundles. And it's like, people ain't going to do that. You know, people are going to be much more picky. And I think the problem that Disney has had too, is that the bundle has even more apps to it. Like I remember back when Disney Plus was first launching, I, mm -hmm. I mentioned many times for me personally, if they had a bundle that was Disney Plus and Hulu without ads, I would have considered that. Yeah. Uh, I think I still would have gone with the three-year uh, package like I did, but that would have been more tempting. But the only packages you could find were Disney Plus, Hulu with ads, and ESPN. I'm like, I don't even want the ESPN one in the first place. I'll just do this separately. And it took me more than a year to eventually subscribe to Hulu where I could have actually considered it before. But yeah, I, I definitely feel like we're in that sort of situation now where, you know, Things are, it feels like in the last two, three weeks, we're just seeing things just being pushed in such a, and it's, it's exciting from the point of view of, I feel like, especially from my point of view, I've obviously had, we've Disney Plus added Star, I think like either next week or the week after, we've been, we've had it a year. And we've just seen it just grow and grow and grow. And you're like looking at that going, this is the, the better experience because you get, you get everything in one place. You know, it's, it's just a better platform altogether and multiple, you, you can just see the way the industry is changing and um it, it, i don't think it, i i don't feel like it's a case of if they all if disney does merge things together i think it's when and yeah. obviously the comcast deal is going to be the issue but we're seeing a drip feed espn content and hulu content is being drip feed onto disney plus in the us this in this literally in the this week yeah i'm actually kind of curious about what uh documentaries ended up in australia because i'm I wonder if ESPN ever did a uh, a feature on that speed skater that they had a number of years ago, who who ended up winning gold at the Olympics. Um, we did literally this past week. We did have um, a new. I'm going to bring it up here. We had a, a new collection added onto Disney Plus. It was the sports collection. Almost like there's something going on right now, and um, pretty yeah, much. I don't, I don't know what that could be. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I think people running around playing with a pocky stick or something. Um, I, it always gets me is like every you're watching the Olympics ago. Look, no one's cared about this in four years since the last time. No one re it's I don't know. I never get <laughs> I, I never get the appeal of like of of these sport things. Like if someone if everyone was so interested in it, wouldn't we be watching like and hear of these people every week when they're doing a race or a sport? <laughs> you, would, <laughs> like, <laughs> you would think so. I actually take the opposite approach with it, where it's kind of fun to see the sports that you don't get to to see highlighted every four years. So in yeah, it's fun to see like the ice hockey players, uh, you know, representing their country, which they normally don't get to do. Uh, but I'm I'm totally in on watching like the speed skating, the curling, uh, you know, the uh, I forget what it's called, but where where you ski around in a circle and and shoot a gun every round. <laughs> I, I, the name of it is on the tip I of my ended head. up watching. I ended up watching like speed skating, female ski speed skating this morning while I was having my breakfast. I don't know why, but there we go. Um, I, I find it fascinating. I, I love speed skating. What was I've never done it myself. But... I was going to say, what was that documentary you were after? Oh, I don't know what it's called. Um, and I'm, I'm sure a bunch of Australians will come in and, and uh, correct us on it. But there was an Australian speed skater in, I want to say, the early 2000s, maybe in the, maybe even in the previous Chinese Olympics. I don't know. Um, and he won gold literally because everybody else fell over. Oh, right. uh, you know, they had a giant crash and he, he is a legend in Australia. I'm sure our Australian viewers are like, 
it, it's this guy. I know this guy immediately. Yeah, um, that doesn't look, I, doesn't look like it. Um, well, look, we, we've got Eddie, we've got Eddie the Eagle. So I, so the Brits, we can't say we're we're doing just as well as that one. But yeah, so the, I think we're definitely seeing this kind of whole thing of things are shifting. Um, we like I said, we got a quarterly results coming up this week. It wouldn't be a surprise. We've got an annual. Um, but things are shifting. Things are moving around much quicker than than I would suspect. Then. And yes, that's good. Um, and I kind of slide this into um, our next topic a little bit of um, apparently, according to a recent article at the Business Insider, they talked about how they spoke to a number of experts and um, agents and uh, producers about who was the best people to go to to sell unscripted and reality TV show. So this wasn't just about Disney Plus. It was about all of them, about all the different streamers. Who, Where does it go? Um and this is what one of them said about uh, the Disney unscripted. They said, rounds and rounds of development with the most insane green light process where clients could do unpaid work that nobody else would do or be asked um, to do without a development deal, then to have ultimately go nowhere. That was what was coming through about Disney+. Plus. They were also saying, I assume, and it, since then, things have kind of settled down because there have been so many executive changes. They wanted to say that I assume that there is an outgoing call business where they call the people to make the thing that they've already figured out. And they said that the Disney Plus non-scripted team had a really difficult job in saying what is a non-scripted show that's going to sit next to The Mandalorian or WandaVision. And then um, somebody else added, I find them really, I find them pretty depressing. I wish they would open up their um, apertoire because they've got the most powerful brands on earth. I wish they could open up their imagination to see that audiences that love Hawkeye and Shang-Chi would consume content that isn't literally about bows and arrows and martial arts. And they said, it's just the audience of people that like those things. Um, they said, but they did go on to say that everything that they do do, they are putting lots of effort into the money. So there's generally a lot of discussion about frustration working with them, trying to get stuff greenlit, very awkward. Disney have gone through so many changes over the last couple of years, infrastructure. And Disney Plus, I mean, it felt like when in that first year or so, all we had was unscripted documentaries that were just flopping left after all kids shows and reality sh everything they were putting on there was just like flapping about and doing nothing it just um whereas like now that we like we've hardly got any coming through there's hardly any announcements coming through and it's like well i can see why because they just weren't they weren't hitting so why you keep spending money on some i know they were trying to do it quickly to get stuff ramped up while they waited for star wars and marvel but yeah i mean i i'm not surprised with the this them calling this because you could see it yourself couldn't you Oh, yeah. It, it was, I mean, even if we don't have a view into the back, yeah. we could tell that the unscripted group was really just kind of get content, get any content, put it out there. We need content on Disney Plus, and you get about the quality of what you would expect from that. So it's, it's not surprising to find it was a mess on the back end. That said, uh, I don't really fault them too much for it because, again, without knowing what's going on behind the scenes, I strongly suspect that this was thrown together like literally at the last second when COVID was just beginning and they're like, mm. we need content. What can we do? Well, unscripted content is easy and, and just start grabbing everything they mm. could without actually having a plan in place. That doesn't yeah. absolve them from fault, assuming that's the way it went, but I can understand it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I look at it like in a couple of ways. First off prior to launch and the ones that they submitted before they launched was a lot of it was, what is Disney Plus? Well, it's just an extension of our core brands and 
you know, we don't know if it's going to be a hit, so we don't want to spend a huge amount of money on stuff. The Marvel and Star Wars stuff is still going to be a while off because it takes a little bit longer to make. That's just, but the, I think also this whole thing of it being family friendly just made everything so bland and so safe that they never, they rarely kind of pushed the edge to get audiences in. And I think that's been the key thing. If, if you look back over, you know, we're into year three of Disney Plus now, you look at how we're getting unscripted content now compared to um, 18 months ago, a year ago. It's, it's like night and day. We're just not getting it in the same drove because it's almost like COVID stopped a lot of it, but they were like, look, we're just wasting money here on just, you know, stuff that just is not yeah. working. Uh, and it wasn't even necessarily wasn't, well, it wasn't working, but it wasn't just that it, you looked at some of the shows that came out in that time frame, and you could tell they really didn't know what they wanted the shows to be even mm. after they had come out like specifically i'm thinking of that builder show where you know the first episode they had to build um like a, a lending library one of the mm. ones that you see in the park yeah. you, you leave a book take a book kind of deal and you're like okay this is cool I, i'm this is that there's a lot of potential in this but it's 45 minutes long for them to construct a single project and yeah it just keeps going and going when this should have been a much tighter production and mm. Uh, so that one leaps out to me, and Big Fib was another one that just was just just drastically, just like, what's the point of this? You know, and and then they kind of you know talking about like everything being branded to things, you know, like we had things like you know be our was it be our chef, and then we had like Foodtastic was the most recent one, and also all like the Marvel documentaries and the Star Wars documentaries. It was like that's kind of you know that was all over the place. In like because it had to be connected to a brand in order because they felt that was the only way people were going to watch it. Well, I mean that's how Disney has operated for like a hundred years at this point, where everything is, everything is connected to a brand. Um, I thought Be Our Chef had potential. Again, it was another one where it had potential. I didn't say it was good. <laughs> it, is, it was awful. It was. Well, I would probably put that in there. It's probably one of my worst Disney Plus originals. Was Be Our right. Chef? I hated it. It was. It was bad. I wouldn't go nearly that far, but it look, I'm used to the great British bake off and I, the master chef and so so this was oh, just no. like this I even even the kids' version of Great British Bake Off was just like no, it, it was it was just naff. It was just naff. No, um, um like I said, I I think the idea wasn't bad. The execution was was the real problem, but I think there is actually like a an area for for not top tier. Yeah, you know the the super amazing uh, work of art foods, or even the Great British Bake Off, where it's it's not necessarily the best looking, but the judges love eating it every single week, kind of deal. Yeah, and and finding kind of that content for yeah, this is something that you actually could make at your home with a pan and and have like a little Disney experience by you know making a a, a Disney version of a common staple food, uh, but yeah. the execution was not yeah great. i mean i was just like looking <laughs> looking here of just i mean just some of the ones that we that we did have now i'm not including national geographic in this because i'm going to put them into i'm putting them into a different category because i think that kind of things in i mean things like you know we had like uh like the imagineering story was so great and it was on a, like a different level than everything else i'd also put prop culture kind of into that same same thing as well but so many, I mean, things like, I mean, Earthen Earth Ed was kind of scripted, so we can't really cut that one. It's like on point. It was like, you know, it was, a, it was a solid series, but it was like, okay, who are you trying to pull in on this one? Well, 
But yeah, but that's also yeah. the counterpoint to everything needs to be yeah. branded, right? Yeah. You know, on point, it, it's strictly ballet. It has almost yeah. no connection whatsoever to Disney at all. So I appreciate they at least tried it. We yeah. are also not the target audience for it. Yeah. Um, I do remember at least with on, on point, at least like had a, had like um, it was an interesting story from the point of view of what they were trying to do. So I, I can give them a pass, pass on that. Becoming, I remember being, I remember that one. That was just an awful series because they just picked a load of celebrities that nobody really outside of the internet, you know, picking a load of American athletes and was just, it was a very poor decision globally. That's not a very good um, global release. Right. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but it is it is still a thing for regional content. And sometimes mm -hmm. the regional content will be American. I think... The bigger thing with it was, though, it did indicate that Disney had not yet come to terms with the fact that Disney Plus was a global brand. Yeah. Uh, and and they tried to push it in places that are not America because it, mm. it's very different if you just go, um, here's this regional series. It's from America. We'll push it hard in America. And if you're in the UK or Australia or, or wherever, it's there if you want it. But they actually tried to push it in, yeah. in those regions. And it's like... And in which case, I agree with you. It's like, why well, would I you just, try to push this? In the I UK? just know if I if I put this list of people and pictures of these, uh, may, um, my my parents would never clue who any of these people were, mm -hmm. and that you know, yeah, my parents might not be the best thing, but I think if I did, I think even if I showed this to, to my wife, I don't think she she might recognize him from a movie, and for him from Stranger Things, but generally. You know, and my friends. I think it's the same thing again with my friends. If I showed them this list, I'm not sure they they, they would have re re recognized many of them. I think the the concept was right, but it was just a very, um, it, yeah. It, it, there was nothing wrong with the series itself. It was how they decided no, for, to advertise yeah. it. And, and honestly, if you show that same list to a lot of Americans, they might not be able to pull out all ten of them. But yeah. you get to the end of it. I think uh, Rob Gronkowski was at yeah. the end of it, right? And and. A lot of Americans are like, oh, uh, the Gronk, yeah. let's, let's see what's going on with him. Said, yeah, if you're in the UK, I'm like, why would you advertise this? No yeah. one in the UK is going to care about this. But in America, the yeah. it's going to be completely different. And But yeah. Also, it, yeah. I feel like, I mean, National Geographic to me was always that kind of thing of use National Geographic to make your your your, your documentary. It's that kind of thing of, you know, they have to go for that first rather than rather than let disney the, Dis the disney plus original ones that weren't done by national geographic just seem to just to miss it and it definitely feels like national geographic you know they've got much better systems in place for making much better reality tv shows in that same article about unscripted they went on to say the exact opposite thing about hulu you know a you know hulu is green light in lots more content um they're much more open to stuff the, the freedom into again because i think hulu was like they're doing they're on a scratch grab to get as much original content that they could but they didn't have the limitation of you know the family friendly stuff and they were able to push because i really feel like the d'amelio show um it was a star original internationally on disney plus um i honestly felt like that that was probably one of the um better shows that they put out and i really felt like this was it was a perfect show for disney plus for the target audience you know if you're aiming for teenagers this show was about it it was all about you know some tiktok you know tiktokers becoming really successful and the the downsides of fame i mean if the, you know as you know it's a, a rated 14 for reality this would have been 
this would have been, I think, a much better Disney Plus show because it was exactly the target audience they were going for. But Hulu has grabbed that audience. I didn't watch it, so I really can't comment. No, it's, it, but... I think it just, it, I mean, it kind of, it's kind of stand to me. It's like you're talking about a, a documentary about TikTokers. I mean, if that's not kids and and you know teenagers, that's kind of you know the thing of it. And you know, we got like the Kardashian show coming up um, as well. I mean, that's going to be a big hit for Hulu in the US, and I think massive hit internationally on Disney Plus. But yeah, I just thought it was quite interesting seeing it from the other side of you know these experts kind of saying of how the unscripted side. And then you look at it and go, look, we could see that they were just, it was like spaghetti against the wall to find out what would work. You know, the branding was all off. They didn't know what they were making. And, you know, like, what is a Disney Plus original? How does it stand up against WandaVision and Mandalorian? There was very little that was able to stand up. And even now, you know, Disney, I still feel like Disney Plus is in that same same position because they haven't yeah. had that, that, that focus on giving us variety. Yeah, it there's definitely been a divide between the Marvel and Star Wars content and all the rest of it. Even if some of them are actually getting really good at this point, you know, mm. we, we love the mysterious Benedict society. You've got uh, even, even big shot yeah. was, was a lot of fun, but even if they were on par with them in terms of like storytelling, which for the most part, I'd probably say we weren't, uh, they're not generating the hype the way the Marvel and the yeah. Star Wars ones are. And it, Honestly, it probably won't be until we start getting the uh, the Percy Jackson series that they they start having stuff I'm that can generate it. I'm hoping Willow might be um, one that oh, might true. might be one able to push the boundaries a little bit more because um, Willow's going to be odd because it's been it's not a franchise people are, are accustomed to. But if it's a good enough series, it could it could end up. That well, depends I think on how it works. I think the fantasy aspect of it will work more in its favor than than any name recognition. Sure. People in our generation will recognize Willow. Uh, you know, even if we didn't watch it, we were at least aware of it as part of that, you know, era when fantasy stories of this nature were, were becoming really popular, like labyrinth and dark crystal and so on. Uh, but yeah, once you get past, you know, people born a little bit later, it's like, Oh yeah, I know princess bride. I know, you know, those, but the, but Willow, maybe not that said, um, if they can do it as a good fantasy series, they can do some good marketing. Mm. It's got some potential there. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's going to be interesting to see how all of this works together in the long run. But I think we're. It does feel like the problem is also is because of what happens in the US, then like feeds into international. International is now starting to get this gist of right. Okay, we're going after this one streaming service. You know, we have the stories you like and the stories you wouldn't. You know, and that's kind of they're using this push now of they're feeling more comfortable with it um definitely pam and tommy has been pushing the boundaries this week of kind of people are, i thought disney just had this like no we've and then, you know the comments and then we've got we've had this for a year now it's just you know like yeah you know, we've had the walking dead all through the winter but <laughs> no one noticed but yeah so this one really kind of caught it but let's jump into some other quick bits of news um our favorite disney plus original is going to be returning for a second season doogie kamaloa md has been confirmed so we will be seeing a second season of that one. Don't know yet when that will be arriving. Um, they've not really confirmed anything. It's just, um, I mean, I'm gathering probably. Ne I mean, they probably can turn it around quite quickly because it's not got a lot of special effects. But um, you know, it might be might be next year or very late this this year if they're lucky. On one hand, it's like I love I love the scenery. I love uh, Hawaii. 
but overall, I, I still it was a, it was a disappointing series for me. I well, obviously for me too. Yeah. That said, I am happy for it getting a, a second season, uh, especially since shows like this do tend to find their voice uh, around the second or third season and. Getting it a second chance where the writers can take a look at what worked, what didn't work in season one. I, I'll, I'll hold out a, a sliver yeah. of optimism that they can turn it around and, and turn season two into something that's worth watching. But then again, they even did, if it they, turns out, yeah. go, go ahead. I was going to say they did it with um, diary of a female president. president. Yeah, Future. because the second season was much better. Victor, uh, Love Victor was a lot better in the second season. Not that it, the first season was bad, but generally some you know they found their voice a bit more yeah especially with shows like this you, you, they there there was a kind of a spaghetti approach spaghetti at the wall for season one where they're kind of figuring out and you could definitely tell that some episodes were higher quality than other episodes and worked better so take they take that feedback they see what worked for them worked with the focus groups and maybe kind of refine season two there's potential there that the the problem was never the concept. The problem was the execution, and now they have another shot at it. Uh, I will at least check out the first episode, mm. probably the first two episodes when it comes out. We will see if if they take it. Uh, I just I her. just hope they make her more into a teenager, to give her a little bit more rebellious side and just kind of exploring a bit because it was she was so like acting like a twelve year old rather than a a sixteen year old doctor making loads of money. Um, that's my only thing. Moving on from there, there was another big announcement for another big series. We're going to be getting a brand new Goosebumps series. Sony are making this for Disney+. Plus. Apparently it's been in the works for a while. Ten episodes. It follows a group of five high schoolers who unleash supernatural forces upon their town and must work all together thanks to and in spite of their friendships, rivalries, and paths with each other. In order to save it, learning much about their own parents' teenage secrets in the process. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've ever watched anything with goosebumps i've never read a book i've got i'm like everyone goes so 400 million books and they got all these series and they got all these movies i go i have no idea what this is <laughs> well <laughs> it's, what, yeah. it's it is worth remembering rl stein was the writer and he did that uh halloween series that we watched mm -hmm. last year yeah uh, just beyond just beyond um which i wasn't really fond of but it's the same style as goosebumps yeah, that's true. It was an anthology, so some were better than others. Uh, really, it felt to me like Twilight Zone light, uh, which was okay. But Goosebumps is very much in the same. Uh, Just Beyond, in fact, would probably be a slightly older version of yeah. Goosebumps. Uh, older is immature rather than uh, like from before. That said, the Goosebumps name is extremely well known, especially uh, to American audiences. There will be people watching this. Uh, there definitely will be an audience for this, but yeah. I'm expecting it to be a bit more like Just Beyond, so it's not really my my but, jam. Yeah, but then there again, there was nothing. There is nothing wrong with aiming no, at um, at this audience. Another great series. I mean, it's just kind of to me it was like that sounds good. That sounds like a, a high quality kid show, which is you know if you can make a kid show and make it appeal to and adults can enjoy it, great. But also know your audience, aim for that, go for that kind of thing. You know, it's not American Horror Story. This is aimed, obviously, this is the death stepping stone into it. No, I I will 100% just say it is Twilight Zone for kids and it's toned down for kids. And uh, I certainly know plenty of people who watched Goosebumps as kids and, and grew up and became really big horror aficionados. And, they, you know, they, they love that 
that thrill mm. kind of thing going on. There will be people watching it. This is a big, big name for for Disney, and I'm actually surprised it kind of slipped under the radar. Yeah, I'm surprised that it didn't actually get um get picked up. I'm just looking here now when because yeah, so the series came out in the original because there wasn't an original series. Yeah, that came out in '95. So yeah, so I was probably I probably would have been actually the right age, but if it depends on what network it ran, if we did get it on, because sometimes that actually happens a bit with um, American shows, especially internationally. If it goes on a if it goes on a wrong on on the wrong if it went on the wrong channel or on one that was behind a paywall, it could just stifle how much it would grow because it's like it's like the Disney Channel because it was always lumped in on a premium movie channel package. It really had a, a much less impact here. If you know, if it was on like on a Saturday morning on like BBC or ITV or Channel Four, it could get mass audiences. Things were on the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon on the Sky packages. You are on cable. You know, your the viewership was just a, you know maybe a tenth of what it was. So that's always a kind of interesting thing with these ones. And it it's similar here in the states too, especially before streaming started to become prevalent. If you had a popular uh, Mostly they would come from the UK. You had a popular show. It might show on PBS. And if that case, mm. if that was the case, like uh, Downton Abbey from several mm. years ago, uh, then that would become popular if it aired at the right time and if it was mm. marketed right. But more often than not, they would get shuffled off to some random channel that you never watched at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And this is something that would happen to to a show like, like Snowdrop or something mm. like that, which is yeah. critically acclaimed in... Uh, the Asian regions coming over here now. Uh, the old style, 90s, 2000s, you might have heard about it and then it would just kind of disappear. But now it's on streaming. It will be front and center on Disney Plus. And yeah. it, I suspect it will draw in quite a bit of audience actually in the coming weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I mean, I've not watched any. I'm really looking forward to giving this one a go next week. It's actually um, high on my watch. So at least I'm going to plan to watch at least an episode or two. Um, to kind of catch up because I mean, it's got so much attention, so much. I mean, this this one in Rookie Cops, um, just the amount of people that are excited for it in my social feeds and telling me about it constantly is like, okay, this is this is what I this is what I want, you know, that kind of thing of you know, when I when Disney release a show and I hear crickets is when you're like, and I'm I'm there going, everyone watch it is good, all this. Whereas this is like, no, they're telling me it's good. That's what. You know, that's yeah. and I'm what you know, that's what you want. I, I very briefly glanced at some of the reviews coming out of South Korea mm. um, when this was airing originally. Um, and just like, oh, these reviews are are really good. People are really enjoying this. And then I then I let it uh, slide because I knew it was coming over here. I wanted to mm. experience it. But like, all right, let, let's bring this over. And I think mm. uh, I keep belaboring the point. But uh, Squid Games really opened up mm. people's. Um, willingness well, to try out these kind of shows. Well, I think the number one show right now on Netflix is All of Us Are Dead, which is another. I haven't got around to watching that one. Myself that's yet. a that's uh, a South Zom Korean zombie show, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, in um in uh, Australia this past week in Disney Plus, they added like five or six movies and stuff. They're really starting to ramp up now. This internet, I think, I think Squid Game and all these shows are really highly going. We, hold on, we have these shows. We show them on the <laughs> just, you know, like, we, we, like people are watch it. It's like, well, yeah, because we're, we're much more willing to give it a go. Um, I mean, I walked through the living room to make a cup of tea before we did. You know, my wife was watching M Money Heist on Netflix. You know, Spanish oh, yeah. show. 
you know, you know, we are much more likely now to try these things. And yes, it's all good. And, and um, it will be it will be a double-edged sword in the long run for for two reasons. Right now, we get the best content because you know the the companies can go over there and go, all right. Um, South Korean shows they just don't do very well. So what what do you got that's really popular? Oh, the Squid Games. Okay, let's yeah. try this and like it explodes. So they so they got the best content, and now people are going to be in a rush to get yeah, anything. I yeah, we I, we remember this from well, I guess anime would be the best example mm -hmm. where you know they brought a couple over. And people were like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And then they started bringing everything over, and they're kind of like, "Oh, there, there is actually a range of good to bad, just like everything else." Like, like American TV shows, you know, it's like no, that's you know, that's um, that's bad to mediocre. Something <laughs> <laughs> on me, uh, um, but nevertheless, um, let's finish. We're gonna have got a couple more quick things to go through before we get into some reviews. Um, this one was one that uh, you wanted specifically to talk about. More than robots, which is coming to Disney Plus on the uh, on the eighteenth of uh, March. So this one's a little bit off, so and it will be debuting at the South by Southwest Film Festival on March the fourteenth. And it's all about a group of teenagers coming together. So you you just love this this one. I I did. I've got a lot of not direct connections to it, but a, a lot of people I know who are involved in the robotic stuff. Uh, it's just part of the sphere of work that I do. Um, one of my coworkers uh, uh, tutored, um, I, we're talking like kindergarten age stuff. So they're, they're not even like robots, they're like Legos, but you know, get them started and doing this kind of thing. And he's, he's judged um, college level competitions. And of course, most of us here in the States grew up with like battle bots. And, and I was going like to say robot, war, robot wars well, is all one. Oh yeah. <laughs> robot wars, battle bots. Uh, there've been a number of them over the years and it's been fun watching them advance. Cause like you, you go back to the originals and their robots are literally like it goes forward and backwards and can turn at 20 degree angles. And now they're just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is the detonator. It would, uh, it would absolutely dominate on a modern battlefield and mm. just, yeah, we're seeing the beginning of Skynet, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I am really excited for this. The, obviously the focus seems to be more on um, these kids and having them have the opportunity to, mm. to, to do this, but I, I don't know. I just love the, these robot shows. They're so much fun. I also, I find like with the documentaries that are like, you know, if it's just like an hour one or something like that, it's like, Tell us the story, see where it is, and it's either going to work for me or it isn't. I've got, I, it's on my kind of like excitement level. It's not that high. It just, you know, I'll be honest, it's it's not my favorite thing to be looking forward to. I'll give it a go when it arrives, but it's kind of one of those things. This one's up for it's up for that documentary to when I start watching it, will it capture me? I'm gonna, I'll watch it, you know, and we'll be watching it, but it didn't quite. No. Um, Pull, pull pull me in that much oh no totally understandable this is again kind of like i i recognize that when i watch like this is a specific personal interest i'm not sure how much widespread interest it will be but as a documentary uh, we'll talk about this again when we get to torn i do encourage people to watch documentaries outside of what they like mm -hmm. and outside of what they would normally because you learn all sorts of new things and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't i don't know which which this one will be but just exposing yourself to some of the cool stuff that's going on in the world is is always worthwhile. Yeah, because I kind of think back to some of the like I enjoyed Science Fair, but I didn't think much of Own the Room. You know, it's like they right. were both very much on the same topic, but like one worked, one didn't. So I, I'm kind of putting it into that territory of of kind of content. But again, this is the kind of stuff that Disney are picking up. You know, they pick these ten, they tend to pick them up at like um, 
film festivals and stuff. And I, I like this kind of stuff, you know, a little bit of variety. Yeah. And honestly, it, it should just be a bit of fun. And hmm. uh, it is important to note, especially nowadays, robotics competitions are not strictly battle bots. You know, hmm. even from the trailer, you can see it's like, well, design a robot that will shoot baskets, uh, hmm. basketballs. You know, how many baskets can this robot shoot in you know, a minute or whatever. And they give these kids very interesting challenges uh, that they have to to overcome with robotics. So I love it. I, I realize not everyone will, but I'm, I'm super excited for this. Cool. And we also got another trailer for another new movie coming to Disney Plus and to Hulu, which is called No Exit, which is kind of like a horror movie where a girl ends up having to get, she escapes, I think from, I don't know if it's got a, a juvenile delinquent place I, or something or meant yeah i think it was I, a juvenile yeah i was leaning towards it being a mental facility yeah. but i could see an argument for it just being yeah. a standard uh juvenile detention facility as well we'll, we'll have to find out yeah so she ends up finding a kid in a in the end up all getting stuck in a, a building while it's snowing and all hell breaks loose and one of them is the killer and I, I watched the trailer and went yeah that's it and i was like my wife's gonna love this one too and i was just like yeah, this is you know a, a nice horror kind of scary movie. Not usually what I tend to like, but I actually thought the trailer looked pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I'll give that a go. I, I, it's that kind of thing of like, I saw the one. Even if that was on Netflix, I probably would have ended up watching that one. Oh yeah, the this captured my attention. The the trailer looks great. I I might be a little. But I, I would probably call it a thriller rather than horror based on because like yeah. horror you yeah. think of like slasher, um, you know everything but this is it's very definitely uh suspenseful yeah just from the trailer of like who who is the bad guy it's a classic locked mystery room mm. with some added twists on top of it you got some uh some trafficking going on of all things mm. and it's just like yeah i'm in i'm i am looking forward to this i'll be watching it as soon as it comes out yeah so that one looks pretty good um this past week we got a new documentary on disney plus called uh, uh torn which is all about a um, an ice climber or a uh, mountain climber, they ended up in the Himalayas. They ended up um, getting um, basically killed by an avalanche. It was him and also a partner. And it kind of follows on giving us an idea of who they were, why they were there, what happened, and then kind of going into a whole other different kind of side of things where, you know, we're hearing from his family, from his wife, from his kids about the after effects of him dying. But also then it kicks into his best friend, Conrad, who kind of ends up with some survivor's guilt and kind of ends up falling in love with his, his best friend's ex-wife. And within like two years of married, and then we have the whole issue then of the kids accepting him as a stepfather. But what's really got this one very, very different was the eldest kid is the, is the director and the filmmaker. So it's done from... It's a very personal, and I think that really lets them go much deeper in because it's essentially a mum talking to her son and you know, you, and the brother talking to her brother, and they're very much more open about it. And they end up going up to the Himalayas to bring back hit, um, their dad's body when he's discovered. And I mean, this is this was some heavy stuff. I, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a, a very interesting um, documentary, very hard hitting. Um, can't praise enough. Watch it. You know, it is, it's a I think the fact that, like I said, it being done by the son 
they were able to go much deeper into the emotional connection than maybe we would have. And it, you felt it. You felt for the for the character. And, and they made him human. They made Alex feel like a human. They didn't make him feel like a superhuman that you know that could do no wrong. It's like they showed his bad side. You know what he's. Yeah, I, I thought this was a great documentary. It's an extremely well done documentary. It's a very uncomfortable documentary for a, a wide variety of reasons. I, it at times felt too personal. I, I actually felt like I was intruding on this family at several points. And if it had been done by someone who was not part of the family, I'd almost be like, don't watch it because you know, this guy is intruding. But because it's done by the son, it, you get kind of like, yes, he's giving you permission to, yeah. to join them on this journey. Where if there's someone else, you know, like, eh, maybe back off a little bit. I mean, um, yeah. I was just going to say there's like like one scene of like he puts the camera down and he just goes and sits down and you know his his dad is in the body bag next to him and it was just like what well, this is this is pretty heavy stuff you know and then basically they're all just like having that moment of like just like I would almost say like relief of like you know they they finally got some closure and it was just it was such a I so just was not expecting that in this movie. No, and I got almost none of that from like the description or the trailer that we saw from before. I was expecting it to be primarily about the the climber himself, Alex, um, and what he had done and why he was so famous within the climbing yeah. community at, at that time. And that really wasn't the story. You, you get pieces of it because they're integral to the story, but the story was really the family, the, the family coming to terms, regrowing around the new family dynamics. Some of the kids coping with it some of the kids not coping with it you know uh, them very honestly talking about like i i expected my father to show up any day for for years and years and years like he he would just appear and and the wife having nightmares about you know um him reappearing after she'd gotten remarried and being like oh what, what do i do in this situation and and well, that's then, that cl- yeah. there's not being able to have the closure is it that thing of the, that never-ending question of like well what if he's in a you know what if he's trapped what if he get you know and that thing of not being able to move on because and obviously the closure of them finding the body and i mean just like the scene where the his wife is like basically checking the body to kind of for the clothing and mark and you know talking about how he was crunched over in the avalanche and it's like well this is really i just i don't know it, it definitely it's it's not a com- as you said it's not a comfortable film to watch and Again, pushes that boundary of what Disney Plus can offer because this is, I this I don't think this would have been on Disney Plus a year ago. Um, this yeah. does feel, it you know this was this is a serious documentary with some hard issues and yeah I, I it was a great document. I'm really glad I watched it again. It's just so different than what you'd expect. Yeah, and and going back to a point we made earlier, this is not something I would have watched on my own normally. If if we weren't watching it for for review purposes, I'd probably been like. Eh. Mountain climbing. I, I watched Free Solo. I'm I'm good. I, I know what mountain climbing is about. But watching something that is outside of my normal wheelhouse really ended up being a very enlightening thing. Because I did learn about what the the climbing was like in the mm. the 80s and and seeing what this is. Because I had no idea who this guy was. In fact, when yeah. I saw it at first, I was like, Oh, that's the Free Solo guy. Oh no, yeah. this isn't the Free Solo guy. Yeah, I was um, the same. <laughs> but th- this is kind of what I meant earlier, though, where. You and I, we love like space documentaries, yeah. underwater documentaries, stuff yeah. about whales and stuff. But honestly, we don't really learn anything from them anymore. 
you know, I, yeah. I will watch a, a whale documentary to see the pretty pictures and I might learn like one trivia piece, but this entire documentary is stuff I did not know. Yeah. And sometimes just going outside of your comfort zone and picking a documentary, like I know nothing about this. I don't think I'm interested in this, but whatever. Let's, let's see if this yeah. documentary can convince me. It's worth doing that every once in a while. I, yeah. I literally, it's funny because I said to my wife, um, when we were going out walking the dog earlier today and I said, so I watched this documentary last night and I said, this is, I feel like part of this whole thing of like doing the podcast and doing the website. I said, I feel like I'm, I'm sometimes tr I'm trying stuff out that I never would normally do. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes, you know, I send you end up watching stuff that you maybe wouldn't have necessarily gone and watched. You end up sometimes also watching stuff you wouldn't have gone and watched and you didn't like it anyway. Yeah. And that's different. But sometimes, you know, like this here, this is like, this is great. I mean, I'm just, I've, you know, we've been saying about like, like National Geographic documentaries to me are like, if you're going to do like documentaries and like, let them do it. Just let them go. Let this team put together what they're doing because they are hitting home run. I mean, they're nominated. They announced the BAFTAs this past week. Mm. Three out of the five documentaries are National Geographic ones on Discovery, on oh, sorry, on Disney Plus, like uh, Becoming Cousteau, um, The Rescue, and I can't think of what the other one was. But, you know, these are in such a different – and, you know, these are going to be up for awards. You know, these are top-quality documentaries. And, yeah, um, Torn is – Another just a di great addition onto Disney Plus. I think this is absolutely something that people should check out, especially if you're kind of in that. Oh, what should I watch? I've already seen all the things. Let's see. It, mm. Torn is a good one, but you. I, I wish that the description on it was a little better because a lot of people are going to go into it the same way, where it's like, oh, I, I liked Free Solo. Let's learn about this other mountain climber. And it's like, yeah, that that's not what this is about. You you have to be in the right mental frame to get through this. But it's absolutely worth watching. Yeah, and yeah, just just can't recommend that enough. So please, if you've got to watch over the weekend or this week, you know, pop this on your watch list. Or, you know what? Um, you know, give it a go. Um, this kind of things, this and uh, the rescue, and just these kind of things, just just give them a whirl. Shifting gears now, let's now talk about another uh, Disney Plus original this week, which was the the sixth episode of the Mandalorian season two point five, um, <laughs> otherwise known as the Book of Boba Fett. Um, I love this episode. I I thought this was great. I don't know. There's been a bit of a like a toing and froing between like fan service and it's not the Boba Fett show anymore. I didn't care. I love this show. I got to the end of this one. I was like, I need to watch this again. <laughs> it was just like I really enjoyed it. This felt like I was a kid watching. You know, this was like just after the events of Return of the Jedi. You never would have imagined you'd have had this. It wasn't where I thought the show was going to go, you know, with Luke and Ahsoka and Grogu. And it just was like, yeah, I'm loving this. Um, I don't care. It's basically online. It's just called Star Wars, the, the series in the title. That's just, yeah. That's, that's it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was kind of the opposite on it, but not for the reasons listed. I, I, especially after last week, I just accepted Mandalorian and Boba Fett. It's literally just one long story. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they would do away with pretending they're not, but yeah, it, you just kind of have to go. It It is, it is the adventures of Mando and his super friends. You know, and it, it's just <laughs> one long series that said all of the stuff with baby, Yoda, not all of the stuff, the majority of the stuff with baby Yoda, put me to sleep i was yeah. so bored during that entire sequence i think it would have been fine if it was just like a couple of minutes of luke um mm. teaching 
Baby Yoda the, the basics of the Force and, and drawing it out of him, but it just kept going. And I was like, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> and, and the other yeah. Just to be clear, if this had been in the Mandalorian proper as well, and and you don't have the why is baby Yoda in Boba Fett, I still would have been bored. This entire sequence I, just went on way too long. I think like I do I wonder like I was I was at one point, why are they really kind of going in on Luke here? I was, you know, like less is more maybe with him because he's a bit you know, he does look a bit funny because obviously the CGI and stuff. But it was like a little bit less might have been more. I mean, he looks a lot better than he did in Maybe they didn't have to hide it the same way, so they were able to do it a bit better. Well, but you, you can see that that technology has been improving very significantly and very quickly. Like even going from Tarkin in Rogue One to, to them using it with Luke in Mando Season 2 and then this one here. Visually, I didn't actually really have too many problems mm -hmm. with Luke. Um, his voice was a little bit weird, but the visually... For the most part, yeah, it was solid. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I just love that whole thing. I love the fact of like bringing Ahsoka in and just like obviously like this whole thing of like Grogu not allowing to see Mando, and it was a bit weird. Like you know, like he, hold on, they've just given this kid, a, you know, a cost, you know, some some armor. Might not be a bad idea to put the kid in it anyway. You know, keep falling asleep all the time. It's like. I know it's not, but it kind of would make sense to give him the lightsaber and the thing so he can kind of protect himself I, when the death troopers and the dark troopers and the whatever the you know the secret troopers all turn up. Like, give him some protection, kid. <laughs> yeah, and obviously the the point of that is forcing <laughs> Baby Yoda to make a choice: does he want to be with Mando or does he want to be a Jedi? Um, but yeah, in in practice, I'm like. Just, just give them both. Yoda's not using his lightsaber, not to be, you know, too morbid about it. Just give them both. It's that kind of weird thing. Like he can't, the kid can't even talk yet. Can we, like, you know, giving him a lightsaber might seem a bit. Um, I don't know. It's like on one hand, it's, it does feel like, you know, the adventures of Mando. You kind of wanted to carry on with Grogu, but it was that kind of thing. Like we need Grogu ready for the next generation, like decades down the line. You know, you know, he needs to be a Jedi because, you know, we need Yoda, you know, we need a new Yoda. And then they can do, I don't know, there's not necessarily the High Republic, but the Super High Republic in like 10 years time and, you know, set it 500 years in the future and Grogu's, you know, an old character kind of thing. I'd be perfectly fine with that, honestly. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was interesting. I, I suspect that that final shot from the scene is setting him up showing up in the next episode as well. Yeah. Uh, and I will be honest, if if he does not show up in the next episode as part of the cavalry showing up, I'll be like, why did we spend half an episode on him? Because uh, well, it, it kind of feels a little bit like we're going into the finale of the Book of Boba Fett. I'm like, um, you do know where Boba Fett's supposed to be having this big fight that we're supposed to... It was it kind of... I'm really struggling with this series of like, I've loved the last two episodes. And it's a bit along the lines of like, yeah, I just wanted more Mando. I didn't really want the Book of Boba Fett. And also him just wandering around the desert for episode after episode now just seems completely irrelevant. And well, yeah. I'll go back to the idea that more than likely that little kid Tuscan will have grown up a yeah. bit and is leading his own Raider band and will show up in the final episode. I think that's where they're going with it. And we're also going to have, um, obviously, Bob is going to come riding in on his Rancor at some point. You know, they set I hope that so. up. That's coming <laughs> up. Uh, <laughs> so we know that's coming in. It just feels like, who are they going to fight? Because it's like we've not really even got a villain yet. Well, 
we have a representative of the villains at this point, but we, you're right. We don't have the proper villain yet. Um, I do want to talk about the representative though, because that was the scene in the show where I was like, yes, this, I've been waiting for this since Mandalorian was first announced. I wanted to see this character come back. Um, So, so I did not, I was not bored through the entire episode. Once they shifted away from baby Yoda's story and we had the, the the council where Boba Fett shows up for five minutes in his own show. Mm. And, and then we moved to the high desert with yeah. Mando trying to recruit Timmy, Timothy Oliphant, and then the scene that happens right after. And that yeah. scene was fantastic. That that was it's one of my favorite scenes from the entirety of Boba Fett, and it would actually rank pretty high if we included mm. all the Mandalorian stuff as well. And the thing is, he can't. We don't want him killed off yet. We've only just we've only had like three seconds. We like he needs to. The heel needs to. A either get a win. And do something, set up the next series, or he has to scarper off because he always tended to do that in the Clone Wars. And he was in kind of scarper off at the last minute when he knew he lost. So there, there's you can go either way with it. I obviously would really prefer if he does not die. I would like to see him be, continue to be a, an antagonist throughout this, and he's got the potential mm. to be a good uh, long term antagonist. Mm. But at the same time, he does have a history with Boba Fett and they do need to resolve his story with Boba Fett. Cause if you remember back in the clone Wars series, he was a mentor to young yeah. Boba Fett. They had a falling out that was never um, filmed mm. because it was part of one of the canceled seasons and they chose not to do it yeah. uh, in the last season, but him and Boba Fett have had a falling out. And uh, so there's, there's unresolved story mm. there, but also, and- the trouble is, that's great if you know it. That's but true. Like my my father who watches you know watches all this. He doesn't watch the kid stuff. He doesn't watch the animated. <laughs> so he's going to come into this and he's like, "Who's that alien with red eyes?" And it's like he needs to have that. Exp- you know, we gotta well, we gotta build this uh, him up and get him ready. Right, and that's why I hope they don't kill him. Let him have a chance to grow as a character on his own, separate from what we know of him in Clone Wars and uh, his brief appearance in like Bad Batch. Um, but I, I think they did it in such a way in this episode where you really don't need to know who he was. If you know it, it adds a layer to it. Yeah. But the entrance, the way it shot, the 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 whole chain of events, you can just go, I have no idea who this guy is, but his his visual design is really cool. And you can tell he is a serious threat based on uh, the um, the his actions. Is just what he, he yeah. just what he does. Well, just the the um, the duel that he had mm. with Timothy Oliphant and the random dude. Yeah, it's like you, you're dying, mate. You're going. <laughs> oh, the, the second you might be wearing a, a, a red coat at this point. You know? I know. The, the sec the second you see Vane uh, starting to walk out of the desert and timothy turns to the deputy he's like you need to go inside and the deputy's kind of like no i I have to stand by he's like okay you're you are going to be the die who dies to prove that bane is a serious threat we we know where this is going but even with that that whole shot the you know the tension building him slowly walking into town it's like this is this is perfect western right here But now it's it's it, but that seems to be the the thing of Tatooine kind of really allows them to to let that kind of western side go because they can get they can lean in on it so because the, visually it looks like you know you know the middle and, of Montana. <laughs> it, well, yeah, uh, and I will also grant them the very first scene when we were introduced to Timothy Oliphant in this here. Obviously, he appeared in yeah. Mandalorian before, but 
at here where he's confronting the spice runners and and just doing the traditional western sheriff of a lawless town yeah dick was just like i'm really digging this opening and then it shifted over to baby yoda and of course it's like, it kind of feels I, yeah yeah i was gonna say kind of feels like we're not ready for this to kind of be the last episode of this it feels like it it's like um we're not ready yet we've got like we've got some more stuff we need to know about um which obviously gonna get sorted out in mandalorian season whether or not we're just gonna like get to the the final scene and it continues in Mandalorian season three coming in January, 2024 kind of thing. And that's kind of just going to leave us all of 2023. So yeah, it's going to be like, yeah, they're just going to leave us like hanging, you know, we're I not even going to see Grogu in the next episode. Uh, you know, they'll leave that. I hope that there is at least some form of conclusion here, but it, it feels weird to say it because I, I agree with you. It's like, no, there we there's still things we need to know. There's still things you need to set up for the final episode to do it properly. But what the heck were you doing with the first four episodes? <laughs> you set up like one plot point per episode. What were you doing with all that time? It just it was wandering around the desert, just kind of becoming a different Bob effect than the one we think he is when he's in the suit. That's just I just really it's it's it's, it's like the trouble is these last two episodes of everyone kind of going, Boba Fett's great now, but he's not in it. <laughs> yeah, no, Mando two point five. It's it's been great, and and honestly, even in this episode with Boba Fett, it's kind of like, yeah, this is actually how you should be using the character. He is the on high general directing things, but he's not the main character. He is the supporting character, and he's always worked best that way. We'll see what happens next episode, though. Obviously, we're expecting some some fireworks, some explosions, it's a long some surprises episode as well. I, I mean, it could be a good hour. It's got to be an hour. I, uh, it's got to be on par with this with the Krite Dragon episode from yeah. Mandalorian to really make this feel satisfying. I mean, they they can pull it off. They they they've certainly earned the um, they've certainly earned our faith that they yeah. can finish this in a satisfying way. Cause you go back to like Mandalorian season one and that started pretty slow too, but it ended up ending, ending on a very high note. Mando season two was great. Uh, and they, they have shown that they can pull everything together in the end. But then I almost like wondered, like, is this going to be like the empire strikes back where that they have to lose to kind of, like regroup because if they win and send the the you know, psych syndicate off, what does where does it go from there? Kind of if they lose and they have to retreat or they, you know, because there's only like four of them anyway. <laughs> it's not like it's, it's like yeah. you know they'll get on the on fire spray one and the Nabush floor fighter and just get out of the town because they've lost and it kind of and setting up the villain then as their main core because that's how I'm thinking because it's like. They've got they've got nowhere to go if they win. They need a they need a loss. I don't know. It's you less, could almost yeah. You could almost do a seven samurai approach, and I'm wondering if that might be what they're doing because we've got we functionally have four characters at this point with several others lined up as potential backups. If you end up with seven, uh, this could end up be a seven samurai or or magnificent seven if mm. uh, if you want to go with that route. Um, but can they do that? Because uh, spoilers for a 70 year old movie, like all but two of them die. <laughs> so, uh, three of them, I think, actually. And that's generally Star Wars isn't like killing characters off. Except um, for Rogue One. Yeah, well, uh, 
it feels like they've put too much effort into they've kind of got this disney plus train to ride right now it doesn't feel like they i can't ever feel like rogue one was special and then when we're gonna ride it what we're gonna go back before <laughs> we're gonna do this free story and of course this entire series is based on a character who should by all rights be dead at the end of return of the jedi so. yeah i don't know it, it, it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun to see how this works out um so i'm definitely gonna be interested to see how this works on wednesday oh, and and fennec too fennec should be dead after uh, mandalorian season one so uh, this it's is this really is the not, resurrection show. They've really not used her much this episode this series, have they? Not she really. She did that whole like running um, fight at the beginning, and then she did a I little bit of a fight, a little bit of a fight, um, getting the uh, the palace back. But that's been about it, really. Um, yeah, I, I, it's like I'm sitting there like they. It's like this show could have been so much more than it if they they just dedicated way too much time to Boba Fett doing nothing and. It did it help the character? He just walks in with his helmet on, and we all kind of know it doesn't really matter, <laughs> does it? That's the kind of yeah. We'll see how next episode goes. Obviously, we'll be watching it the second it it appears on Disney Plus, and um, I am really hoping that we get the best of both worlds here. We get a satisfying conclusion to this series while also getting a proper setup to Mandalorian season three, which will presumably be where this story continues. Yes. I mean, the good thing is it doesn't look like we have to wait too long because we've obviously got um, Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming, which looks to be May. We're also going to be getting the Bad Batch season two. And we've got Andor. So we have got, it's not like this time last year or when the Mandalorian finished and we had to wait a year. You know, we know we've got a little bit more um, Star Wars stuff in between, but it should be a lot of fun. But nevertheless, let us know what you think of the book of Boba Fett. Love to hear your thoughts. Remember to go check us out over at whatsondisneyplus.com. And on that note, guys, thank you very much. See you guys soon. Laters. Later. Thank you very much for watching this video. Make sure you go check us out over at whatsondisneyplus.com. Like, follow, and subscribe. Also, a huge thank you to all of our supporters over on Patreon and also on our YouTube channel memberships. And I'll just see you guys in another video. Laters.